0: Welcome to the Coach's Plan Podcast, Plan to Coach with Coach New Brunswick, a podcast for coaches, by coaches, brought to you in part by the National Coaching Certification Program and the Coaching Association of Canada. I'm Ashley Milani, your host, manager of coaching education with Coach New Brunswick. We're joined in the studio today by... I'm Colin Daigle. I'm the uh, special events coordinator at Coach NB, and we also have a very special guest today. Yep. Calling in is uh, Dr. Richard Louis uh, from Trauma NB. Uh, Richard, would you like to introduce yourself with
1: well, hello. Uh, my name is Richard Louie. I'm the injury prevention specialist with the New Brunswick Trauma Program. And I'm located in Saint John, and I've been working, uh, focusing on injury prevention, for about five years now.
0: Great, and this is this is something I think a lot of coaches are starting to um, starting to focus on a little bit more is is concussion safety. And uh, I know in um, in New Brunswick, at least, we had that scare back in October of the football team that was having like a very high incident rate of, con- of concussions uh, throughout their season. And um, I know like at least coaching Brunson was getting calls from like CBC and all these papers asking like, what do you guys think on this? And, uh, and we're really lucky because with the coaching association of Canada, there's um, a, a a program called making headway in sport, which is uh, uh, the NCCP's official uh, concussion safety awareness information course and so we were able to say like yep our coaches have been taking this we we support them how we can through this program um but i was interested as well to to talk to someone who's a specialist in the field and and someone who's very new brunswick uh uh, specific so um uh, richard i'm i'm so glad you come in and talk to us today um so what i kind of wanted to start with is is like the the state of the union almost what um it seems to me like concussions are diagnosed left right and center today it seems like the uh the incidence or the i should say the diagnoses rate has skyrocketed in the last like 10 years is this something that is just i've made up in my own head or is this the thing (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well that's a very good question I mean honestly we do tend to see uh, more people coming into our emergency departments in order to get diagnosed uh, by either a physician or a nurse practitioner uh, in order to confirm that diagnosis of a concussion Uh, however does that translate in uh, a greater number of individuals uh, getting injured while practicing sports, well, uh, we can't really say that uh, for sure. What we can look at is a recent report that was uh, released by Child Safety Link uh, that looks at hospitalization rates in children aged uh, 0 to 14 in Atlantic provinces. Looking at that data, we do see that sports-related injuries are on a downward trend. So if we do try to extrapolate that to uh, concussions, we would tend to see uh, a reduced number of people uh, being injured on the playing field uh, due to uh, playing practices.
0: Oh, so, so, so you're saying that people are actually like in practice are, are being a bit safer than they used to and, and being hospitalized less?
1: Exactly, so this is what we 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 summise looking at data. And obviously, we also expected to see a higher number of people coming to emergency departments in order to get assessed for concussions because of the efforts that we've been making over the past few years in order to raise awareness about the signs and symptoms of a concussion. So seeing that the public is more aware of what to look out for, we were expecting to see that uh, increase in people coming into our emergency departments.
0: Interesting. Very interesting. So. Um... So, where, where is an athlete most likely to get uh, suffer a concussion? Is it at practice? Is it a game? Is it regular life?
1: Well. When it comes to the location and where and when, obviously with higher risk activities you increase your likelihood of getting a concussion. So sports like uh, football, hockey, rugby obviously has uh, increased risks of uh, injury associated with their practice. However, concussions can happen anywhere uh from the classroom uh to uh the playground to the playing field so to to just focus on sports related concussion might uh lead some individuals to think that uh, sports equals concussions but uh, what we do tend to see is uh, concussions happening due to uh, various uh different mechanisms
0: right right Concussions just come from life. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Like you could slip on the ice and fall. Everything from driving. Yeah
1: to 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 walking on a, uh, on a sidewalk during the winter months, yeah. uh, it all comes with a risk of injuries and obviously uh, when we 're talking about practicing sports, uh, that might happen uh, for maybe a, a few hours during your typical week uh, where you might do practice or a competition compared to regular life that happens twenty four seven so uh, it's it's the likelihood of being injured uh, during your regular, uh, days of, uh, of life right. uh, is much more greater. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Um, so as, so I'm a rowing coach and I've also coached swimming and, uh, and strength conditioning in the gym. So all of my sports for the most part are, are non-contact, um, is, so you're kind of what you're saying is like, even though my athletes aren't hitting each other on the field <laughs> or in practice, uh, I should still be concerned about concussion safety.
1: Most definitely, most definitely, and you also have to think that certain athletes might practice both a contact sport and a non-contact sport. So imagine if you have a specific athlete who might receive a concussion during uh, their football practice, but afterwards would come uh, the next day to try to uh, practice uh, rowing. While well, they might still uh, you know, feel those signs and symptoms of a concussion. And if they don't feel comfortable uh, telling you how they feel, they might be uh, suffering from those signs and symptoms needlessly. So, being able to recognize those signs and symptoms of a concussion could definitely avoid any prolonging of the the recovery phase or worsening of those signs and symptoms.
0: Right. So, as a coach, how do I spot the signs and symptoms? What am I looking for?
1: Well, when we're talking about the signs and symptoms of a concussion, uh, they're grouped into uh, four categories mainly. Uh, There are physical uh, signs, cognitive signs, so mental, how you you think, emotional signs and symptoms, and sleep disturbances. Uh, In order to recognize the full list, going from headaches to uh, poor uh, coordination to being dazed and confused, uh, in order to help identify the full list of concussion signs and symptoms, there are tools out there in order to assist uh, individuals who do not have a healthcare background, namely two. uh, The first one being uh, the concussion recognition tool, the 5th edition that was uh, developed uh, following an international concussion conference uh, that was held in 2016 where they provided a simple pocket tool that anyone can use in order to recognize those signs and symptoms. On top of that, uh, I've been working with different stakeholders in order to develop a second tool that's a bit, uh, larger. It's a one pager, uh, called the tool to identify a suspected concussion. This tool, uh, can readily be used by anyone without a healthcare background where the only thing that a responsible adult would need to do is to provide a check mark on those signs and symptoms that have been identified in that specific athlete. Uh, Afterwards, obviously, we recommend that a copy of that tool be provided to the parent once they come and pick up uh, the injured player in order to help communicate what happened on the field with the emergency department physician. So, so that they have a better understanding about what happened.
0: Okay, actually, that, that yeah. sounds—it's um, kind of like kind of like an incident report in some ways. Exactly, right. exactly. Right, right, right. So, how would that tie into um, to the return to play protocol or the return to learn? Um, and I guess uh, my follow-up question to that one would be: So, like, as a coach, I hear a lot about this protocol, and I—I'm not sure that I totally know how to uh, talk with my athletes or talk with my athlete's doctor, or if, even if I can go that far to say, okay. What stage are they in? How do we support them? How do we move forward? So I-
1: well, the the first thing I, I would say is just to, to, to remind uh, everyone that you're not alone when we're talking about the recovery following a concussion. Uh, what we try to advocate is the collaborative team approach where the parent and the player, uh, the physician or nurse practitioner, the teachers, the school administration and even uh, friends uh, of the injured player all have a role to play when we're talking about the the recovery of that injured player. So when we're talking about coming back to sports after a concussion, uh, the first thing to, to keep in mind is that it's really important to have that open line of communication between the coach and the injured player so that they feel comfortable enough to let you know about how they're feeling. So the first step would be to really have that important conversation with that injured player about the importance of letting uh, the coach know about any new or worsening sign and symptom. The next thing that coaches could do is to Uh, have a conversation about how it's really important to go back one step uh, in the progression of their return to sport strategy if they feel any new or worsening signs and symptoms. So at that step, uh, that part of the recovery phase is Almost entirely dependent on efforts by uh, coaches so that they have the first uh, view of the performance of that athlete on the practice field. So when we're talking about uh, reappearance of coordination issues or problems with a headache or visual disturbances, those can be identified and addressed in coordination with the injured player, the parent, and the, the physician. Now, how to get in touch with the physician, Uh, some of that will be uh, dependent on how open those lines of communications Mm -hmm. are. And especially between the parent and the physician in order to reassure the physician that any type of uh, confidential communication that might be communicated to uh, the coach has that parental approval. Because right. obviously physicians might be um, constrained from saying some uh forms of information, so having the parents on board in order to provide that information if need be, is going to be crucial
0: right, right um, yeah i yeah, without that communication, without that that tie, I think that a lot of coaches will. Um, feel feel quite lost in that process. Um, I know I, I've certainly had where I've had it. I've had ath- athletes in the past with concussion issues um, who haven't been as good with the communication process, and so I never know like how hard can I push them. Should I be letting them practice at all? Should I just say no? Like, come back to me when you have your doctor's note, or come back to me uh, when you're symptom free. Like, what uh, what's a pretty typical um, return to sport? Is it Is it go completely away until you're fine and then come back in or is it more gradual? Well,
1: when we're talking about the the progressive steps in order to return to sport, uh, essentially it's divided in six steps. Uh, The first one is symptom-limited activity where it's Looking at the individual being able to do daily chores, walking up the steps, uh, their stairs, being able to do slow to medium pace walking around uh, their neighbourhood. It's really basic activities in order to see if there's any re-emergence of signs and symptoms. Afterwards, this is where uh, we recommend that athletes do light aerobic activity and that would be at stage 2 before even considering uh, sports specific exercises where they might do skating drills in hockey or running drills in soccer. So before going into specific uh, training exercises, we really want to see how that athlete uh, performs uh, during uh, 15 to 30 minutes of uh, light aerobic activity. If they can tolerate light aerobic activity for about um, that 30 minute period, then this is where we might uh, test them on the, f- 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 <laughs> the next uh, practice, where we can test them with uh, sport specific drills. And this should be done uh, individually, where we're trying to limit the interaction with other players who might inadvertently uh, pass the ball or, or uh, you know, pass the puck in a way that might uh, lead them to increasing their signs and symptoms of a concussion. So getting hit by a, a basketball with a person that's trying yeah, to recover gonna- <laughs> is definitely not going to be helpful. Yeah. So really to look at how the progression is happening at each stage and to really notice if that specific athlete is having any uh, problems. Before, uh, if that specific athlete is able to do sport specific exercises, then we're talking about non-contact training drills. So, again, more uh, passing drills, more drills, but this time with uh, a colleague uh, on the field. So, looking at how those uh, passing drills happen, uh, but obviously without any contact. So, no picking drills in in, uh, basketball, for instance. So, really looking at how they can perform with a bit more complex Uh, training drills. Now if they can do that level of, of activity without any worsening of their signs and symptoms this is where we advocate where every athlete should get a medical clearance before proceeding to full contact practice. So obviously we want to be reassured that the signs and symptoms of the concussion has uh, been managed appropriately enough that adding that higher risk uh, activity might not worsen uh, their, uh, their progression uh, through their recovery phase. So getting that medical clearance, this is going to be a very important step after they uh, completed stage four. Now, depending on the sport, if they uh, are practicing a non contact sport like uh, badminton, for instance, if they can uh, they can at stage five go into competition and depending on their how their performance, uh, you could determine if they would need to go back to stage four or continue uh, without any restrictions. However, for co- contact sports stage 5 is strictly dedicated for identification of any worsening signs and symptoms during practice contact practice so here we're trying to 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 push uh, that specific athlete amongst friends during practice to see if there's any worsening of those signs and symptoms and if everything's okay then you proceed to stage six where there's no restrictions whatsoever even during contact sports competition so during each stage obviously the person that has the best uh, ability to assess the performance on the practice field or during competition is the coach. So this is where having a good understanding of what each stage encompasses and what to look out for is going to be very important. And for that, uh, those type of resources are going to be readily available on our website, but Also, uh, that same type of information is also available on national uh, websites like uh, Parachute.
0: Hmm, Very interesting. Um, How long typically can you start those stages after the injury?
1: Well, research is... is, uh, Pushing us to uh, get a better understanding about the importance of returning to light aerobic activity as soon as possible, as as possible, but also as soon as the athlete can tolerate that level of activity. Typically, is that days if, or weeks? Uh, that athlete uh, needs to go back to school, uh, a, a focus uh, should be placed on cognitive exertion. However adding physical activity progressively is also indicated. So here we can think about uh, at least starting symptom limited activity after 24 hours Mm. or two days maximum where the first step is. Rest. Uh, obviously, that's the best initial treatment for concussion. Yeah, absolutely. After that, twenty-four to forty-eight hours. This is where we might start with symptom-limited activity, and each stage should last at least twenty-four hours. Okay. So, okay. before starting light aerobic activity, uh, if we do that uh, quick calculation, we're looking at about forty-eight hours before starting light aerobic activity. All right. Perfect. Um.
0: So sorry, you're mentioning uh, the Parachute program. What is Parachute?
1: So Parachute is a national not-for-profit that's dedicated to address um, injury prevention uh, throughout Canada. So, when we're talking about uh, concussion awareness, but not just concussions, but you know, distracted driving, uh, fall prevention, uh, drowning prevention, they're, they're the organization at the national level that really provides support to uh, people like me at the provincial level uh, in order to uh, share resources, look at what uh, type of research the latest research shows. So they're really an important uh, stakeholder at the national level when we're talking about injury prevention.
0: Very cool. So, um, so of the resources, resources, you mentioned there's parachute, there's, um, the, the pocket guide, The pocket tool for uh, concussion identification, was that the, did I get
1: it right? Yeah, so there's the pocket recognition tool. But however, on Parachute's website, there's also resources aimed at parents, athletes, and even coaches where they discuss, uh, similarly to what I've uh, mentioned earlier, the different uh, stages of the return to sport strategy.
0: Gotcha. Um, yeah. and then a uh, reminder, tell the listeners out there that there's also the making headway in sport module, uh, through the national coaching certification program. Um, it's a, it's an online module that you can take whenever you want, um, and has some sports specific, uh, streams and some general, uh, sports streams as well. So you can kind of tailor it to whatever is, is specific to you. Yeah. Um,
1: and on top of that, uh, On our own New Brunswick Trauma Program website, uh, available at um, nbtrauma.ca, we'll be updating our concussion section where we're going to add a variety of uh, new uh, concussion resources, namely the tool to identify a suspected concussion that I mentioned earlier, but also the the steps uh, for the return to school and return to sport strategy. So that information is also going to be located on our our website.
0: Amazing, thanks. Um... So Richard, I want to say thanks for having you on today. This was uh very informative, I'm sure, to everyone else, but it, even even to myself, I, I definitely learned a few new things about yeah, how, absolutely, to, yeah. how to manage concussions on my team. Um how to spot them and and be a good coach for my athletes.
1: Um, <laughs> but again, just just to say that uh for coaches to think that you're not alone when it comes to identifying those signs and symptoms and that responsibility to provide that diagnosis is in the hands of either a physician or a nurse practitioner. So if you suspect a concussion, not to feel like uh, the, it's almost like providing a diagnosis. That responsibility is, like I mentioned, not in your hands, but really to keep in mind that if you're in doubt, it's better to be, uh, to take, take it safe uh, in order to reduce the likelihood of having a concussed uh, player on the playing field and uh, risking any further complications of their signs and symptoms.
0: Right. I think, I think that's a really good point to make. As a, as a coach, I think often too many times we take on too many mm. roles within our within our team. We're, or we try to, yeah. Yeah. So we're we're not just the coach. We're also um, equipment manager and uh, nutritionist sometimes, yeah. and almost um, a parent yeah. sports sometimes, sports psychologist too, yeah. and and mm-hmm. uh, counselor and just and, and parents and yep. uh, uh, confident and uh, all these kinds of things. And I think it's important that we don't we don't go too far outside our scope and we we focus on our team and our athletes and our sport and we let medical professionals mm-hmm. uh, uh, handle what they're good at, what they're trying to do, and, and let them do the diagnoses. I think that's a very important point.
1: Exactly, exactly. And and I can't say it enough. Uh, when it comes to concussions at the national level here in Canada, or even internationally, uh, there's this saying where, uh, this tagline that says, uh, if in doubt, sit it out. Right. Simple enough, uh, but it does convey that message that it's better to be safe than sorry.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. Um well thank you for coming on today and uh, and talking with us. You're listening to the Coach's Plan podcast with Coach New Brunswick. Big thank you today to CKUM uh, for letting us record in their beautiful studio in you to M in Moncton. Um, and big thanks to Colin for, for coming in today. It's and, my pleasure to be here. Yeah, even though I know you didn't do a lot of talking <laughs> today, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the microphone over to you in a minute and you're gonna get to do it in French. Yeah. So <laughs> hope you've been paying attention. Absolutely. <laughs> Um, I'm Ashley Milani. I'm Colin Daigle. Uh, and in the meanwhile, we'll see you in two weeks. Yep. Get to practice.